Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to Season 4, Episode 8 of The Castle Chat. Chat. Hello, Castle Chat friends. Welcome back to another episode of our Disney-themed podcast. We are bringing you a season favorite called Digging Deep. This is where we take a Disney movie and break down all the heartfelt messages that get packed into these cinematic experiences. Today's movie is the infamous Peter Pan. So let's chat about it. we have to start this episode with the same disclaimer that Disney Plus now puts on this movie when you watch it. Yes, Disney Plus has put a disclaimer on this film and a couple of others that are a little bit older that basically says there are some themes or messages in this film that do not kind of live up to the standards that we hold today in today's society um, that may have to do with racism, sexism, anything like that. But they said instead of taking this content down, they want to educate people on this and continue to grow and move forward as a company to put out products that um, honor everyone yeah i think that as our culture develops it ebbs and flows and we have learned more as a country and a nation about what is acceptable what is reasonable what is generally speaking just being good humans a lot of what filmmakers and people maybe base their films off of with writings books and things from different eras now just don't hold up in our culture the messages are definitely at this point not appropriate not always um kind and not always respectful of various people groups and we just want to go ahead and acknowledge that we know Peter Pan, the original movie that Disney put out, definitely has some of these trends. So our goal here is maybe to even highlight and educate people on why some of these messages now need a disclaimer before we watch this film. Yeah, definitely. It is a classic Disney film, and we want to celebrate that, but also, like Caitlin said, talk about these messages and things that don't hold up today and are not appropriate and so uh, we wanted to also give you guys this disclaimer before we started this episode but um, we're gonna jump into kind of the history of the movie and then we'll go into some of the plot we're gonna break it down give you guys some of those hidden and more emotional messages that are connected with the film and end our time together with some good old fun facts we love fun facts here on the castle chat so that's how we will end our time together so kate let's jump on in and chat about the history of the movie. All right. So I always think the history, especially of these OG classic Disney films, is super intriguing. So Peter Pan came out in February of 1953. Think about that. That has been nearly a hundred years. Uh, I mean, we still got some time before we hit 2050, but mm-hmm. we're 
2022. So it's yeah. been a while. It definitely has. It's the 14th full-length feature film that Disney put out. Walt Disney himself had a hand in creating this. And the film itself is adapted from a play slash novel that was written by J.M. Barry, And he wrote this original story in 1904. And it premiered in the Duke of York Theater in the UK. And this story became popular but needed some revisions and so the writer Barry went through several different versions of this until it finally was picked up and adapted for film um, and the Peter Pan 1953 film by Disney isn't necessarily the first time that this film or story was put out. No definitely not. I mean when I've read a lot of articles and a lot of saw a lot of YouTube videos where they said that the, Disney actually removed a lot of stuff from the original novel and play because it just didn't fit at the time culturally with the direction that Disney wanted to go in. I will say from what I've read, the book and the original play, the message of Peter Pan is very dark. Um, there are a lot of things that Peter is kind of. Um, I would say he's more portrayed as the villain and there are elements of that kind of and we'll talk about this later in the actual film but it was much darker there were things that they knew that they wanted to take out and change and focus more on like the magical growing up type of vibe that they ended up going with in the actual film so it definitely took some turns and they they switched it up a lot before they put it out in 1953. Yeah, so the writer, Barry, he basically came up with the idea of Peter Pan through like made up bedtime stories that he would tell his really close friend, maybe secret lover like in his life I don't know but he had this really special relationship with this woman named Sylvia and she had a lot of sons like six maybe I think um and she ended up dying really young of cancer very sad he was very upset by the whole thing and actually ended up uh, like unofficially adopting her kids and the real special relationship yeah real special (laughs) I mean they were never married but they clearly had a close relationship where he took in her kids and kind of told them these fantastical stories about this character Peter Pan and it kind of blossomed from inspiration from the boys themselves um, but also Pan is the Greek god of the woodlands and Ooh, I did not know this he's known to be a mischievous creature being um and so the one of the boys names was peter and so peter pan was this young boy that had this mischievous spirit um woodland like lived in the woods Mm -hmm. kind of thing that he came up with um and another article that i was reading on the history of this barry actually when he was younger his brother passed away in a skating accident um i'm assuming it was maybe like ice skating it didn't say what kind of skating it just said skating accident but he passed away i mean back in like them like 1904 what what kind of skating do you do i'm assuming (laughs) ice skating i don't know yeah maybe um he he passed away at a very young age and apparently barry noted that his mother just never recovered from this passing and it was very tragic for their family and for him 
At some point he quoted, or it was written down, that the character of Peter Pan was also in part inspired by his brother because for him in his mind it gave him a little bit of peace thinking of his brother as this boy in a different land who just never grew up. Yeah. So that's kind of the the blossoming of who Peter Pan was as a character and where he came from and like I said these stories that he told these young boys eventually was written down and he turned it into um, a a play and it was performed and then turned into several other things books movies and now there are hundreds of Peter Pan based things that you could research and find because of this original story that he came up with in the early 1900s yeah um something else to add here and i think you were really interested about this there is a movie that came out in 2004 um starring johnny depp and kate winslet it is finding neverland what's the movie about so the movie finding neverland i do not know why i did not know about this film until researching for this episode but this film finding neverland is the story of jm barry and sylvia sylvia davies is her her name um but it's about their relationship and how he came up with peter pan and neverland and all of these things so it's this origin story this biographical story about the man who was the original writer for Peter Pan. Yeah. I did not know this existed. It's- and Kate Winslet apparently won several awards for her performance in this movie. I do not know why I didn't know about it. It seems super interesting. I'm going to watch it. But just for those of you who might be interested in a Peter Pan-like film, go watch it. Anything that screams 2004 movie is just you should watch it. I feel like the early 2000s has some of the best films of all time. So definitely go watch Finding Neverland. That's a... That was a really great summary of just the history of the movie and kind of how the story of Peter Pan came to be. Um, Today, you probably know there are lots of adaptations of the film. There are live versions. Disney's even coming out with a uh, Peter Pan and Wendy, another live action Peter Pan. There's so much Peter Pan everywhere. And we'll talk about this a little more later as well. But we wanted to jump in with kind of the plot of the movie if for some reason you've never seen Peter Pan. Uh, I'm sure there's people out there that have never seen it before, so we want to give a quick little summary of this. Um, there are main characters. We've got Wendy, John, and Michael. Um, Wendy is the oldest of the darling children, and she is visited by Peter Pan on her last night in the nursery as an attempt to save her from growing up. Now, Wendy is obviously, like I said, the oldest child. She currently like lives in the nursery with the younger children and her parents that night are going out to some type of gala or event. And Wendy's always known for telling her, um, her younger siblings about the story of Peter Pan and her dad's not really on in with that vibe and, and wants her to grow up and is like, it's your last night in the nursery. And that's kind of how the movie kicks off. And as the movie kicks off, we see Peter comes and visits them in the in the nursery to come and find his shadow. Um, Wendy wakes up, they interact, he finds his shadow, and then basically Peter's like, you don't want to grow up? Come to Neverland with me. And here's some pixie dust and let's fly to Neverland. So they go to this infamous land of never growing up and when they get there there are different areas in neverland there's a mermaid lagoon there's an a cove where um the 
pirate ship hangs out and then there is the area with the indians and the lost boys and there is a villain it's captain hook he is kind of out to get peter because peter cut off his hand and now he has a hook and it's this kind of chase between hook and peter pan so you kind of see the interactions of the children being able to experience this neverland for the first time while Captain Hook is trying to catch Peter. Um, we see them going into the Mermaid Lagoon. We see a lot of action on the pirate ship. We also see them getting to meet the Lost Boys, which are these, um, there, I guess there's six of them, eight of them. I can't remember how many there are, but there are these little boys that are in a tribe and um, Peter kind of oversees this tribe of boys and they're all part of not this plan of not growing up and being together they're all adventurous they have a fort and they kind of hide the darling children there as you can probably guess captain hook finds them captures them peter saves the day they go back home and they've had a great experience and they just love that they've been a part of all of it that's kind of a very quick summary of the whole film but anything to add um, i may have butchered that but i think in there, mentioning Tinkerbell, she plays a pivotal role. Oh, yeah. Tinkerbell key character. has the pixie dust, yeah. Um, she also is the reason Captain Hook finds Peter and his um, boys. Um, but second of all, hot take, I think this whole thing might be a dream. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know what? It could be a dream. Because before Peter shows up at the window, Wendy is getting into bed, and she's yawning, and she's like, oh, yeah, and Peter, I think Peter Pan was something, something, and then she she drifts off to sleep. So in my head, I think this whole thing might be a dream that Wendy has in her mind of all these bedtime stories that she's been telling her brothers, Um, but we will never know. I mean, I think the idea for Disney is that it, you know, these fantastical ideas are real yeah but i can't believe i i mean i said pixie dust but yes tinkerbell is like peter pan's little sidekick she's a little tiny fairy and she has pixie dust which helps the children fly um fun fact i'll say this now um when they first released the book or the play maybe it was the film I can't remember, but they didn't include the pixie dust. They didn't have that as a part of it. And children were actually injuring themselves because they they thought that they could just jump off of their bed and they could fly. Um, So they actually had to add in Tinkerbell and the pixie dust to show that, like, it actually takes this magic special dust to be able to fly so kids would stop injuring themselves. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll notice Peter Pan is the only one who can fly without the pixie dust. Mm -hmm. So he's... He's got elf ears, so he must be some creature other than human. I'm not quite sure what he is, to be honest, (laughs) but that's basically a summary. There's a lot of different themes that we see throughout this film. Um, One of those is jealousy. Tinkerbell gets very jealous of Wendy and the relationship that she has with Peter Pan. Tinkerbell's very possessive and um, doesn't want anyone to kind of get in between her and Peter. And Wendy kind of poses as a threat to that. And so I think that's definitely one of the themes that we see throughout this film is her jealousy in that. I would say Wendy also shows jealousy. Oh, There yeah. are moments when Wendy is jealous of Tiger Lily, um, where she's actively expressing the fact that she doesn't like that Peter is showing affection for someone other than her. She wants to be special. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this love triangle. I actually read, I thought it was super interesting, that the three females in the movie, um, not including Mrs. Darling, but um, Wendy, Tiger Lily, and Tinker, 
Tinkerbell all are three different archetypes archetypes of women and they're all meant to kind of represent different things but they are specifically representing different um, psychological processes for Peter and somewhat of a like Freud complex I thought that was a little bit interesting that, so I mean that is very interesting because Freud is known for a lot of the psychoanalyst um more of the like sexual meanings behind things and so that's very interesting that that is a part of that my psychology brain is like turning on right now trying to think about how how that could have been portrayed but there's so like tinkerbell is his sidekick and his friend that he doesn't show romantic affection toward Mm -hmm. wendy is he's looking for her to be a mother figure to him and the lost boys and he doesn't necessarily show her romantic Mm -hmm. affection and then tiger lily is the only one that he shows some type of reaction to where he might have romantic related feelings towards her um so you've got the friend the mother and the romantic interest um there are also the mermaids in the film that are a little bit dark um they're (laughs) meant to in their true form of mythology meant to be dark they're mysterious creatures that live Mm -hmm. below the water um there are a lot of really interesting things that come up in this film so one of the things that i wanted to mention in watching this film back that um is one of those messages that doesn't necessarily hold up in society culture and film today the very beginning of the movie when tinkerbell and peter first make their way into the darling's home tinkerbell be checking herself out in a mirror and then mm-hmm. looks at her waist and kind of gives this look like, oh my gosh, I am so big. And she's tiny. And then there's a moment where that same waist figure that she refers to prevents her from being able to fit through a keyhole. And it's just kind of this body image moment where it's saying, I don't know, it gave me a message of somebody who has a distorted view of themselves, thinking that they're bigger than they are and it you know your size hindering you from doing certain things i don't know it just didn't really sit well with me and i was a little bit shocked that they would put that note in a children's film yeah it that i remember watching it back this past week and and seeing that and being like "Mm, that that i wouldn't have noticed that as a kid but as an adult it's unsettling to see that straight off the bat also, you see a lot of these um, kind of sexist images come in with the beginning of the movie, and you kind of see the family dynamic of the Darling family and how the women in the household, even the dog, who's a female, <laughs> is like the housemaid dog, and there are these very domestic um, responsibilities and roles over the women in the household in the Darling family, and you see that right off the bat as well. It just shows kind of like what the culture used to, the very traditional side of culture that used to be back in those times. So it's no, I mean, it's that's what life was like back then. Um, today, I would say there's more of a an even um, gender role split with that, but it was definitely present in this film of like, men being more superior than women and that gender inequality um especially in the household i would say um especially off the bat as well yeah i 
definitely think that when they do the live action remake of this film, it will be drastically different. I'm very, very intrigued what angles they're going to take with this remake because I know with, with a live with the live films that we've already experienced from Disney, um, each and every one of them has had their own unique twist that were that was not a part of the original film. But it enough of it is the same that you don't feel like you're watching a completely different movie. You do feel like you're watching a live action version of it. And so I'm interested to see how they can still keep the main message of Peter Pan with what we know Peter Pan to be in today's culture because there are a lot of things in the film that are now considered inappropriate for today's society. So I don't know. I'm really interested if it's going to come out as a totally different film. That's why they called it Peter Peter and Wendy versus or Wendy and Peter, whatever combination they did versus just like Peter Pan. So Peter and Wendy is the new title of the film, but Ironically enough, this was one of the original titles of J.M. Barry's version of this story. Um, it was Peter Pan, the boy who couldn't grow up, and one of his publishers or editors said, um, change it to wouldn't grow up. And then it, there was a variation where it was Peter and Wendy, and then the Disney version was just Peter Pan. So it's kind of gone through several titles, but originally Peter and Wendy was one of the ways that the story was described but I also think exactly to your point this new version of this story is going to be a different focus from what it was in this Mm -hmm. original version yeah and I think that's maybe why they chose that to be the title of the film so that people didn't have an expectation that it was going to be a replica of that because of the messages that it holds from back then the the positive um, message from this film i would say is that this it's all about being a kid having a childlike heart not growing up always being in in line with your inner child and experiencing the joy that a child would feel when you before you have responsibilities and before life gets crazy i would say it's just the joy of being a kid and i love that this movie helps people kind of hold on to that it's also been a message that has portrayed in all of the disney parks like when you're at walt disney world or disneyland or any of the parks in the world you do get this sense of being a kid again and not having to grow up and you see that element in everything that disney does and so peter pan is a huge kickoff i think for that when it came to them building the parks considering it came out before the first park ever opened yeah peter pan is very present in the parks today you've got the nostalgic peter pan attraction which people love and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere um tinkerbell is always a part of whatever fireworks show there is at night she's a huge hit there is you know you can get pixie dusted you can get your hair pixie dusted you can i mean you can meet tinkerbell (laughs) yeah it's everywhere and i think like you said the notion of never growing up kind of being the foundation of why people love disney it's finding your inner child we somewhat talked about this with shannon from second star collective and honing into your your inner child and staying you know who you are as a kid who i was as a kid is still me today and just kind of touching back to those more innocent times is a sweet message when i have in my brain just the moment of 
Wendy, John, Michael wanting to fly like Peter Pan. And he says, all, all you need is a little bit of faith, trust, and pixie dust. Mm-hmm. I think that take away all of the culturally inappropriate, culturally out of touch messages that mm-hmm. are a part of this original film. Thinking about the idea of, hey, if you want to fly, if you want to chase after a dream, all you need is a little faith, trust, and pixie dust. That thought to me is very sweet and very Disney. And I think that that's why this film still today, regardless of those cultural differences in the messages they put out, is still very beloved. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that it is a big part of, like you said, the foundation of Walt Disney World. And it literally is everywhere. And Tinkerbell has had her own movies, her own video games, her own spin-off everything, and there are so many other Peter Pan adaptations in films. It, the franchise as a whole, the movie, the story, all of it, it spanned just beyond this this 1953 film, um, knowing that it went that far back. And back to 1904, it's been a part of history for a really long time and will continue to be a part of history in the future. I know that Peter Pan doesn't end here. We had, um, you know, Hook, which was a really popular film with Robin Williams come out. And also um, Pan came out in like 2015. And we got the sequel to Peter Pan in 2003, Return to Neverland, which is also a very cute little classic film. And it's just continuing to grow it's got it's got a good heartfelt message at the center of it which is why people keep coming back to it and they love the idea of this mischievous mystical character that wants everybody to grow up it's the precautionary tale for those who fear the responsibilities of living that's a quote that we found that it's Growing up is scary, and you have to take on a whole lot of responsibilities that maybe you don't want to take on. And Peter Pan reminds you that, like, it's okay to just be a kid and to not grow up and sit in that a little longer. So I think, those are, like you said, it's a really heartfelt message behind that. I also think, too, in countering that same idea yes it's okay to sit in that for a minute but also when wendy and john and michael sit in it a little too long they long to go back and they actually want to grow up and they realize the responsibilities of being at home being with their parents Mm -hmm. and moving forward with their lives is actually something they desire being a kid forever is not necessarily the reality that they want to find themselves in and Mm -hmm. so i think that it kind of is this balance of can you get back in touch with your you know innocent childlike self maybe kind of in referencing how the parents and even wendy in the sequel to this film both the darlings the parents in this original film as well as wendy in the sequel Mm -hmm. find a way to remember the same way that they believed in this fantastical story and place when they were younger they finally come to this moment where they're like man i remember neverland i feel like i've seen this before i feel like i've dreamt this before and so it is like the quote says a precautionary tale it's giving warning to fearing the natural progression of life which does include growing up but it doesn't mean you can't step back and remember those moments of when you were a child and still hold on to them yeah i love that now let's talk about the theory and counter message of what people have i guess over the years a lot of stuff has come out regarding maybe a second meaning to the film 
about maybe Peter being the villain. So interestingly enough, this theory actually is touched on a little bit more if you're familiar with the ABC series um, Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. They, in the world that they're in, in this series i've watched this whole series all the way through if you are a disney fan you will enjoy it because it references all of these classic disney films the characters are these disney characters they're trapped in a world where they don't know that they're these disney characters and peter in this series once upon a time is actually a bad guy Mm. so do you want to talk a little bit more about like where this peter is a bad guy comes from well if you think about the film and you think about art, what is portrayed as the actual villain, Captain Hook. Why is he a villain? He's a villain because he is mad that Peter cut off his hand and gave it to a crocodile. And he ends up with a hook. So, really, we learn that Peter was must have done something pretty bad for him to turn into this villain, which could be the start of him being a villain himself. Um, when you look at the interactions with Captain Hook in the film, when you, and you think of other Disney villains, I, C- Captain Hook really isn't that scary, that intimidating. You can just tell that he's like really hurt for the fact that he lost his hand and he wants revenge on that. Because like you also see him being very scared of any time that the crocodile comes around him. He thinks maybe he's going to get eaten again and... He's a very scared villain, and we don't see that a lot in other Disney villains. So it almost, in a backwards way, makes it seem like he wants revenge, but he's also kind of like scared of Peter, scared of the crocodile. And Peter's also the one that that takes children out of their bedrooms and takes them to another land where they don't have to grow (laughs) up. It takes them from from their parents. So I'm like... Okay, dude, you're a little on the villainous side, I would say. You can definitely, like, if you looked at it through that lens, you could 100% see how Peter is the villain. He's very, like, I would say there's a power complex there. Like, all the people that are in Neverland look up to him, but almost, like, bow down to him. Like, all the mermaids are very much like, Peter, 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 whatever you want. And, like, he is very mischievous. He tries to throw off Hook and scare him. And, like, I, I don't know. I never really... Until I started to read these theories, I would be like, no, Peter's not the villain. Then I was like, actually, wait a minute. I can very much see how this is the case. And he can be a little on the bullying side at times. He can be very harsh with his words and just abandoning and leaving people (laughs) places. And he's not like this. I wouldn't say he's this like all around amazing protagonist. I would say he definitely leans on the antagonist side at times. He seems like one of those people who's a little bit prideful and stuck in their ways and not really willing to step outside of their box. Um, He thinks anytime Wendy says, you know, I want to grow up or I want to do this. He's like, you're crazy. Um, and yeah, he does open. <laughs> he does the same thing to Tinkerbell and that's what makes her so hurt. And that's why she betrays him with Captain Hook. Going back to what I said in this Once Upon a Time series, Captain Hook is actually the main protagonist and love interest in this series. So <laughs> he's actually a good guy in the series too. I also am going to throw in one of our fun facts, which I think kind of ties into what we're talking about. In the original plays for this story of Peter Pan, whoever played the dad, the Mr. Darling character, 
also played Captain Hook in all of the plays. And in this film, in the Disney film, the voice of Mr. Darling, Jim Darling, is also the voice of Captain Hook. And so I think that there's this theme of Captain Hook being a character who doesn't like the poppycock of being (laughs) being a child who has all these whimsy ideas and peter just nags captain hook annoys him very much so and kind of brings out all of his frustrations and insecurities on purpose Mm. and i think that the dad maybe has these same notions for Wendy where he's frustrated that she wants to keep talking about this Peter Pan and Peter Pan's not real and that's kind of I feel like the balance of those two characters where they're kind of meant to blend into one message or story of the idea of being a a child or a kid forever and living in Neverland is annoying and frustrating to them and that's why they're against it and so um, I think that that maybe necessarily Captain Hook or Mr. Darling aren't necessarily bad people. They just are on the opposite end of the spectrum of Peter Pan of never wanting to grow up. They are grown up and they want the people to catch up to them and be adults, mm-hmm. not children. Yeah, definitely. Um, do we want to also talk about some of the racial messages that are in this film? Yes, of course. I think that we should highlight this yeah. and, and take note of the fact that the way that um, the Piccaninny Indian tribe is displayed in this film is very much your stereotypical descriptor and representation of Native American tribes. Yes, definitely. It's, um, it's hard to watch today knowing the racial injustice that our country has been experiencing um, for a very long time but has been brought into the light a lot more recently. This film is is very hurtful in that aspect and I think it's one of the main drivers behind the disclaimer that Disney Plus put out. Um, it's just very stereotypical and you see a lot of the characters trying to embrace the Indian culture as well which is just cultural, cult, what's it called? Cultural appropriation. Yeah, cultural appropriation and um it's yeah it's just i i'm really that's the part that i'm curious about with the remake how they are going to include that because i would say the indians are a big part of the film and so i i just don't know how they're gonna redo that in the live action but i'm looking forward to how they kind of make amends with that and um take a different route i hope that they they choose that yeah it's quite interesting on how certain things like this were just maybe looked over by the general population um, when films like this would come out. Now, like you said, watching it, it is kind of hard to watch, a little uncomfortable. Um, I feel very much so thankful for the education that I have received in years past on how things like this in films are offensive to Mm -hmm. the people groups that they're meaning to represent because it's a very poor representation of these people and you know if somebody the reality is if people portrayed the people that I personally represent in a really negative way then yeah I would 
kind of roll my eyes at it and be like, why would you do that? That's Mm -hmm. not what I'm like at all. And the reality is I'm in the majority and have been as a Caucasian woman. Um, You know, being a female is different. I think there are a lot of misogynistic messages in this film as well. Um, But, you know, the way that this particular Indian tribe is displayed in this film is no longer, I hope, in terms of whoever watches this film, I hope everyone watches it and feels uncomfortable because you should Mm -hmm. with the way that it's um, displaying Indian culture, Native American culture in almost a joking manner. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Is there anything else that we want to add for just like a deeper meaning of the film um, as we've been breaking it down before we move on to fun facts? So for me, one of my favorite parts of Disney films always is going to be the music. Of course. Uh, My sister Jessica out there um, probably would be screaming at her audio form of whatever she's listening to this on saying, why aren't you talking about the music? Um, And for me, one of my all-time favorite classic Disney songs is Second Star to the Right. And that is the song that plays at the beginning of Peter Pan as it's going through the prologue. Um, These classic Disney films have all of these paintings that they kind of display the text of who's responsible for the film over. Mary Poppins does it, Cinderella does it, Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, all of them. They are in themselves works of art. I love this part of these old Disney films. Second Star to the Right, I am just going, it's very short and sweet. I'm going to read you the lyrics. And if you could erase all of the offensive and culturally inappropriate meanings that we could pull out of Peter Pan, I think, again, this is why the uh, hopefully the main message of this film still is so important and heart and fills people's hearts today. So the lyrics to Second Star to the Right read... The second star to the right shines in the night for you to tell you that the dreams you plan really can come true. The second star to the right shines with a light so rare, and if it's never land you need, it's a li- its light will lead you there. That's just the first little blurb. The second is twinkle, twinkle, little star, so we'll know where you are, gleaming in the skies above, leading us to the land we dream of. And when our journey is through, each time we say goodnight, we'll thank the little star that shines, the second star from the right. And so I think this is just a really sweet message about, one, I love the line, all the dreams you plan really can come true. And two, what we talked about before, kind of just needing to sit in your childlike innocence for a minute, it says, and if it's never land you need, its light will lead you there. And so it's just saying, you know, if you need a minute of remembering your childhood, if you need a minute to go back to quote unquote Neverland, the second star is there for you. And I think also I'm just gonna highlight maybe my theory of this whole movie being a dream like Alice in Wonderland, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It says, lead us to the land we dream of. So maybe it's just a dreamland. Maybe it's a real land. That's up to you to decide on (laughs) how you want to interpret this. But um, this song, I think, is so 
beautiful just to listen to but then the lyrics to it are also really really sweet and I think that when I watch this film and see all the things that I kind of maybe cringe over a little bit now at least I can take away this song and say okay this in my mind is how I hope the new Peter Pan echoes and and that's the message that it leaves behind for disney lovers far and wide yeah definitely that was awesome what a great way to end the the digging deep piece of the episode (laughs) um let's end our time with some fun facts though we love the fun facts i love them keep it fun i know okay i have a couple to kick things off here this was super fun for me um knowing that walt disney himself saw a production of Peter Pan when he was a young kid, but then also he played Peter in a school production of Peter Pan. This is deep in his blood. I mean, that is like incredible that he played Peter Pan as a character and then was like, you know what? Maybe I'll write a movie about this one day. Yeah, I think that it obviously stuck with him and was a story that he was fond of. If he, you know, early in his career, it was only number 14 for him in his feature films. And so um, it was pretty early on and, and I guess whatever he experienced as a kid wasn't scarring. So there you he go. said, I'll make it a movie. There you go. What one other ones do we have on here? Okay, so... I thought this was interesting, kind of touching back to the history. Peter Pan's character in terms of written plays, books, novels, movies, all of that, his first appearance was not actually in the play that we know him by, which is Peter Pan. Um, He first appeared in a story by J.M. Barry called The Little White Bird. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know what it's about, but he was in that, he was in that story which was before peter pan yeah that's i mean i would have never known that so yeah so maybe that's something that i should look into and see what that's about and if his character kind of has a big role or just a small one and then mr barry was like oh i think i should run with this and do a whole story on him yeah and and speaking on you know on barry himself when it was about four years after the premiere um, of Peter Pan, Barry actually wrote an epilogue that was titled When Wendy Grew Up, and it was an afterthought, and it became the premise for Disney's not-so-popular sequel, which was Return to Neverland. This film, I actually remember Return to Neverland pretty well, because I I was in my prime childhood at that point, and it was something that I watched pretty, pretty frequently. Um, but it is interesting that that is what kind of was the inspiration behind this film return to neverland is wendy as a grown-up with her own children and so it's her children experiencing time with peter pan so it's just like another generational type of thing very similar to the second little mermaid right vibes i would say it's same type of thing so it's very interesting that he had an epilogue um titled when wendy grew up that was interesting both this uh returning Return to Neverland and the Second Little Mermaid weren't they both just like DVDs? They never came out in movie theaters. I'm pretty sure you're right. I think it was only DVDs. Okay, there was like a series of early 2000s sequels to big Disney movies that just came out on yeah, DVD. Yeah, like Cinderella, Twist in Time, or whatever it was called. Yeah, there were some weird ones. Yeah, there's some different ones out there. But they're honestly like when you go and watch all of them, I really like the Second Little Mermaid. I think that one's a really good film. I think it was excellent marketing and sales on Disney's part to say all these people who love these classic films we're not going to spend all the money to release these in theaters but you know the originals we bet your kids are going to want the sequel so we're going to put it out on dvd (laughs) (laughs) yep okay let's see what other fun facts we have here 
Okay, Disney actually had to make a deal with a hospital to actually produce the 1953 film. And so what this basically means is the author, um, J.M. Barry, actually left the rights to Peter Pan to the Great Ormond Street Hospital when he died. And then the hospital had to make a deal with Disney. They made the, Dis they made the deal back in about 1939, giving them the exclusive animation rights. Um, but the, the hospital itself, Disney has been actually supporting this hospital since 2008, they've partnered with them and they've actually helped them raise more than 10 million pounds, which, you know, because they were based in the UK, or $14.5 million towards the um, hospital's vital redevelopment program. And they continue to support the hospital and charity with fundraising events and donations. So I think it's very sweet that Disney still has this partnership with the hospital that J.M. Barry left the rights to when he passed away. Yeah, that's really neat. And one... I, one thing I think that is worth mentioning, we've talked about this in some of our other films, but Disney, Walt Disney specifically, was after these ideas for films several years before they ever came out. He did the same thing with Mary Poppins, where mm -hmm. like making a deal with the hospital in 1939, but the movie didn't come out till 19, only, 1953. Yeah. It's a long time to be sitting on an idea. I'm sure with the animation back then, it did take an extensive amount of time. Mm -hmm. I know with the way that they did animation for Peter Pan, as well as other films, they had live actors come in, dress up like the characters and kind of play out these scenes. So animators could see how to draw the characters in their motions and so i'm sure it did take some time but 39 to 53 is a big gap and mm -hmm. so to know that early on hey i'm gonna make a film about this it might be 20 years but <laughs> let's go ahead and get the rights i mean yeah that's a that's some serious business there but just think like can you imagine going being like i'm gonna make a film actually i have to go talk to a hospital first to get the rights to be able to actually make this film not your typical way of producing a movie. You wouldn't yeah. have to go through a hospital to make that happen. Right. So very interesting way that this film came about. Um, also another interesting thing about the film is that there are actors in the film that actually play multiple characters. So Mr. Darling and Captain Hook are the same voice actor. And then also, which is outside of the movie, but I don't know how I didn't know this. It's so obvious, and I should have known this as a Disney fanatic, but the voice of Wendy is also the voice of Alice from Alice in Wonderland, which it's like right in front of you, but I just, I never knew that. And I just think that is an amazing fun fact. See, and now I'm tying all of this together in my brain. Both Wendy and Alice fall asleep and have dreams about these fantastical lands that may or may not be real and wake up and leave us wondering whether or not their experience was real or just a dream. Exactly. And to go even further along with the theme of, you know, Alice in Wonderland versus Peter Pan, the second Star to the Right song that you showed the lyrics to us um, was actually originally written for Alice in Wonderland. It was going to be named Be Beyond the Laughing Sky. Wild. I know. Isn't that crazy? <gasps> okay, so these films had to be, like, created in tandem. They had to have. I mean, there's, like, a YouTube video that's attached here on an article talking about the two different songs and how it was originally written for Alice in Wonderland. And I am just very intrigued by this. Um, oh, also another one that I didn't include on here, but I think it's very interesting. It was actually rumored that Marilyn Monroe was the inspiration for Tinkerbell. 
Oh, I could see that for sure. Mm-hmm. Which was later proved to be false. But if you look at Tinkerbell, you can totally see how that could be inspired by Marilyn Monroe. I don't know. I just thought that was also very interesting. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland came out in 1951, Peter Pan 1953. So Alice was done probably, like like we said, in tandem with Peter Pan. They probably were kind of rolling along with both projects simultaneously, and mm-hmm. Alice just finished a couple years ahead of Peter Pan. Um, so the fact that these voices and characters... Um, voices and actors as well as the music kind of rolled over from one to the next i'm sure that song was they were like oh we've got enough going on let's scrap that and then they were like oh but wait just just change the words a little bit we can use that for peter pan maybe that's how it came together i mean Catherine beaumont i think her last name is she's the one that voices wendy and alice she had a busy couple years (laughs) with with doing both of these in their releases but how convenient for disney to be able to just use her for kind of both those films which was kind of cool um i think we have one more fun fact what we got on here so our final fun fact um there is a quote and it is from the original play of peter pan and i found this really interesting and the the play was narrated there was a narrator for the play and the whole story ended with the narrator saying that to live would be an awfully big adventure and i feel like i have seen that all over the place and i didn't know that it came from peter pan but it was interesting because the description of why the narrator says this he's saying what peter might say if he could kind of come to terms with the fact that he's been a kid for his whole life and he should maybe grow up a little bit and so i thought it was interesting that the original story kind of kind of ends on this note of maybe peter should grow up we don't really see that or talk about that we just kind of see wendy coming to that realization yeah, I mean, it would be really interesting to see, like, Peter in a normal family, a normal life, because he's not, I mean, obviously he flies on his own. He's maybe not human, so I'm interested to see what it would even look like if he did grow up and live a normal life, and so, I don't know. It's, it's also leaving us with the the idea and notion that he is not living life to the full. To live would be an awfully big adventure. Mm-hmm. So, the narrator and the writer of the story is saying that Peter is not living He's holding himself back. He's not living, he's dying. You gotta live like we die. Isn't that a song by like somebody who won American Idol or Chris something? Allen. Yeah. <laughs> Get the fact that you know that. <laughs> I used to love that song. Yeah, I could say I'm not gonna sing it for you guys, but go listen to it. Live like we're dying. There's also the um I was climbing, I went rocket mountain climbing. Um, Tim McGraw song about live like you were dying. Yeah, um, that's good. That's so, good stuff. Guys, we're getting a little delirious over here. Yeah, but we're just singing all the songs. That's the end of our fun facts. There was a lot that we kind of I feel like rambled through with Peter Pan because it is one of those ideas where the things that we might need to talk about for this film are a little uncomfortable yeah i'm glad we were able to have those conversations though it's really important for us to be having that at the forefront of our brain and um talking about it it's super important and i'm glad that we could have this conversation today 
Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode, learning more about this iconic film that has spanned not just um, this universe, but also just into so many other films, so many different things about the Disney parks. It's definitely a part of what we know, um, and we are looking forward to seeing the live action Peter Pan and Wendy, which is actually set to come out in 2022. So we're going to see it hopefully sometime this year. And... I don't know i will have to report back on what we think of the new live action but yeah thanks so much for hanging out with us on digging deep peter pan hey all this is kelly from kelly's magical vacations the official travel partner of the castle chat and i am so excited to bring you today's trip tip before you head to walt disney world or disneyland be sure that you have your park reservations for each day In order to enter a park, you'll need a valid ticket plus a park reservation for the park that you're starting the day in. You can make park reservations as far out as the calendar goes, so if you have a trip planned for 60 days from now, 100 days from now, 200 days from now, be sure to get online right away and make your park reservations. Reservations are limited, so it's super important that you get on as quickly as possible to grab the reservations that you're going to want. Remember that you can always change these park reservations if there is availability for the other parks that you'd like to go to. To make your park reservations, log on to either the Disneyland app or the My Disney Experience app, depending on which coast you're going to, and then make your park reservations in there. Be sure to head over to Kelly's Magical Vacations on Instagram for all your Disney chips and tricks. And if you are looking to plan a Disney vacation, you can head to the Castle Chats Instagram. Click that link in their bio and there will be a form that you can fill out so that we can start planning and I can help you with everything from your accommodations to your tickets to your dining and everything in between. All right, Kelly with the trip tips every week. She's always coming in strong. Yeah, she is literally an encyclopedia of Disney tips. She is full of all the knowledge. If you haven't booked a Disney vacation with her, you need to stop right now and go book a Disney vacation, specifically with her, because you will be taken care of to the highest level customer service and her knowledge is out of this world it's amazing and we love her and her tips especially this one this week with getting park reservations it's very important to do that um since covid and everything has happened you now have to get those park reservations to be able to enter the parks in the in the morning and if you don't get those ahead of time they will they will go away and if you are dead set on going to magic kingdom on a certain day and you can't get that then like you can't get into magic kingdom until at least two o'clock at least right now so um definitely take advantage of that get your park reservations in yeah holiday weekends busy weekends it does actually book up you run out of the opportunity to go to the particular park that you want to like may the 4th for hollywood studios to be in galaxy's edge on may the 4th those reservations were up so far in advance yeah definitely so it's something to take into consideration if there's a specific time and a specific park that you want to be in do need to plan in advance these days like we said kelly is amazing please use her travel agency services they are completely complimentary and something that we may not have touched on on what it means for her to be a travel sponsor travel sponsor for the castle chat every time somebody books through kelly it actually supports our podcast so by 
supporting her and her business and also just allowing her to make your Disney trips easy, you support this podcast and allow us to bring more fun things to you like giveaways and reels and all of those things. So give Kelly a follow on Instagram at Kelly's Magical Vacations. Use her travel agent services and head to Disney ASAP, people. Yeah, I mean, use her free services. It's no cost to you. And um, there's a link in our bio for you to fill out the form that connects you directly with Kelly and she will help you with all of your Disney needs. Small shop shout out. Small shop shout out. Shouting them out once again. That was a new one. I like that one. That one might be my favorite. Okay. Maybe I'll keep that one. I love it. Who are we shouting out this week? Okay, people. We are shouting out the good ears. Yes, like the good years, but the good ears. Um, I have recently come to find this small shop. If you have seen the Infinity War gauntlet ears that have blown up on my Instagram feed. Um, This is just one of the many incredible designs that this ear shop has put out. I mean, she's she's been freaking out about them she saw them on instagram she sent them to me and she's like i have to have these like right now they're so beautiful their designs are incredible we love finding um ear shops with very high quality ears so definitely check them out they're they are completely handmade and ready to order and so definitely go check them out on instagram their instagram is at the good ears Okay, guys, next week we have the season four finale, which this season we are ending our season with what we typically would start our season with. Um, We've actually switched some things around this season. We have put a brand new, like lots of brand new episodes in, but we are finishing our season four with the one and only Disney Breakdown. Okay, so Disney Breakdown has been on pause for quite some time, so you can expect all kinds of information for the season finale. We're going to update you on all things Disney Parks, Disney Films, and the Disney Company, so buckle up. It's going to be a lengthy but exciting breakdown of Mm -hmm. all things happening in the Disney realm. It's your one-stop news source for everything you need to know in the Walt Disney World bubble, so definitely Check us out next week for our season finale. We're so excited. Cannot believe it's the end of season four, but we are so grateful that you guys have been on this journey with us and you're taking it through the finale and we can't wait to give you Disney breakdown next week. Uh, Until then, you can keep up with us on Instagram at the castle chat, or you can send us an email, thecastlechat at gmail.com. We love getting to interact with our castle chat family and community. We would also love, love, love if you were able to drop us a review on Apple podcasts, or you can rate us on Spotify. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you want to see in season five. Continue to fill out our Instagram polls. Um, We build this podcast specifically around what you guys want. And so you get to be have your hand in every part of this journey and um, come alongside us this is built for you and with your uh, opinions in mind and so we want to always keep it that way as we continue to grow our family here at the castle chat but until then we'll leave you what we always leave you with which is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you 
go make it magical. See you real soon. Bye, guys. Bye.